to be fair, I think every team is entitled to at least one primetime game even oh, yeah. on a Thursday. Yeah, that's the rule. I would just suggest putting the bad ones later. Like at, like, midnight? <laughs> no, not like not later in the night. Like, later in the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. That's a good idea, too, though. Like, it's like... Uh, the, the 49ers, West... Rams, 3 a.m. Yeah. Time. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Is We know you need something to help you fall asleep. We got just a thing for you. <laughs> if you've been out late on a, on this <laughs> Thursday night and you're having trouble sleeping, here's a really shitty game for yeah. you to watch. You can watch this 9-6 this to six Rams, 49ers game put you right out. Hello and welcome to the CSR Fourth and Short podcast. This is uh, Brian, joined by John and Brad. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Thank Great. you for asking, Brian. It's very nice I mean, I, I usually try to ask. I'm sure you're doing shitty anyway, but you know, you even pretended to care. I mean, you're getting, <laughs> you're getting much better. Have you guys ever seen the thing that's like a kid? It, like, what is something that you don't understand about adults? And it's like they always ask you how you are, and you always say good, even if you're not good. Or that's you how this show starts. <laughs> the the other meme out there is being an adult is basically just about talking about how tired you are and how tired the other person is. So yes, yeah, adulting 2017. Um, so the Panthers won on Sunday. How Did about we? that? That was that's fun. I like I like having a winning record. Wins are yeah, it, it's a lot more fun to watch them win than it is to watch them lose. Even though we picked about the well, other no way shit, to win, BW. we try to make it the least um, least visually appealing, at least aesthetically pleasing win we could, though. Hey, I mean Russell Shepard had that one really nice <laughs> touchdown where I'm pretty sure the defensive lineman hit Cam Newton's arm and somehow it still made it to him. But you know, Cam doesn't get enough credit for how good that throw was. Yeah. He's getting hit and floated it to him. Floated it, hit him in stride. And then, this might sound a little bit racist, but at first I thought that was Ted Ginn catching that pass because of how open he was. <laughs> and the number, <laughs> and and the number, right? Yep, and the number. And then, and but then you remembered when he caught it, like, oh yeah, that's that's not. Okay, yeah, that's, that's not that's, Ted Ginn <laughs> caught it. Yeah, he is because Ted Ginn, when he's that open, that doesn't it's not a catch. Ted, the best part about Ted Ginn is he would make the most beautiful routes wide open and then just drop the ball onto the ground That's... his his success rate his catch rate decreased the farther away the closest defender was and my favorite thing about that is that the saints were all on twitter like oh ted ginn dropped another pass and we're like we were trying to tell you that <laughs> guys like this is ted ginn on. well That's ted ginn 50 50 catch rate yeah rate you're gonna best. you're gonna be super happy that you have him like a couple every couple games or so because he's going to catch like a 70 yard touchdown and then the next week he's going to drop an even easier 70 yard touchdown and you'd be like why did we sign this guy <laughs> oh boy 
Oh, Ted Ginn. Yeah, but the 49ers. Like Shepard is. Shepard's what? what? Shepard is. No, go ahead. Shepard is what? I was going to say Shepard is like a more sure handed Ted Ginn who also plays special teams. So. Yeah. Well, other than returning the ball, but yeah. Like the, the grunt work on special teams. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Panthers won. Offensive line looked good. Yeah. Offense had needed some time to get things going, but you know, that happens when your quarterback is either getting into a rhythm or taking a, a shot to his arm to nullify the pain. Yeah, I think I'm I'm guessing it was more of a rhythm thing than a, a shot to the arm. Yeah, I mean you never know. I know that's a football thing. It's like some blitz NFL blitz type stuff, but I think Cam looked good at the end of the first half too. I think he just kind of found his groove a little bit because as what norm as what normally happens, we go in the hurry up at the end of the half, and Cam always looks better when we play with some pace. So that's so of course ninety percent of the time we never we don't play with pace. Yeah, why would we do that? That's dumb. <laughs> it, it's I don't it's it apparently it's like Cam's out there like throwing darts, hitting everybody like on on time on target when we go hurry up, and then uh. The, but other than the two-minute drill, we go. Uh, we're gonna break the huddle with 12 seconds on the play clock. But that's the that, thing. 2015, they own the play clock. They own the uh, possession time. So I mean, I get it that. works, right? That makes me more angry than just about anything <laughs> the Panthers do. Is waiting until there's three seconds left on the play clock to snap the ball. Every, I hate that shit. I do too. Every offensive like start of a play is so stressful. Because it's like snap it, snap it, snap it, snap it, snap it, snap it. Oh, okay, good, we got it. Yeah, and it doesn't <laughs> have to be that way. <laughs> no. Me and my brother were watching. Sorry, Brian. Me and my brother were watching like the Monday night games, and we we're like, wait, 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 wait. Why are they snapping the ball with 14 seconds on the play clock? This is this can't be allowed. Why? Why don't we do that? I get that there's something to be said for the uh, the time of possession thing, but it's so just yeah. boring to watch. Like I get it when. When you're up by ten with like six minutes to go in the game, mm-hmm. yeah, take as you know, don't snap it until there's one second left. But we do this shit when we're down by three <laughs> with like a minute to go. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Plus, we have the thing where we use all of our first half timeouts to stop from getting delay of game calls, and then yeah, we, it's, that's that's not good. Yeah, it's frustrating. The only redeeming quality I can say for that style of offense is that. In 2015, and it seems like they're still doing that, uh, Mike Shula essentially rolls out like four plays for Cam Newton and be like, all right, whatever coverage you decide that you see, call that play. And that can take some time. But whenever Cam Newton's clapping his hands for the ball, I'm like, okay, guys, snap the ball. <laughs> those are the like, those are the worst. There's like four seconds on the play clock, and Cam sees like oral battle around. How many like clapping? Clap, he's clapping his hands, and it's like Ryan Khalil's like looking over at the guard. You good? Look over the other guard. You good? Checking the watch, and it's like the whole time Cam's like snap it, like trying to yell them to snap it, and they're just kind of taking their sweet time. It's like why? What are we waiting for? Yeah. Yep. So speaking see, of that- Cam. What, what? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that problem can be fixed if Mike Shula would stop doing what you said, where he gives him, you know, half the freaking playbook <laughs> and says, you know, pick one of these eight plays. Just give him the play, and then if it's not there, just let Cam do whatever Cam does. I mean, yeah, it would work out so much better. I feel like we don't have the audible. We don't see the or 
last year and then last week, we didn't see the audibles at the line like we saw in 2015. That might be mm. misremembering. I might just be misremembering. I just feel like 2015 we had more time. We still snapped it late, but we had more time to see Cam doing all his gyrations and snap counts well, and stuff, hard counts and it's, stuff. It's tough to see. It's really tough because you don't know sometimes when Cam Newton is audibling. Yeah. Like, because it could be just like a different inflection on how he does the hard count. It could be a random motion with his hand. You know, like it's it's not easy to tell when he's audibling because you don't want the defense to figure out that you're doing that. So, you know, it's yeah, it is what it is like. It's there's definitely a time management issue there, regardless of what they're doing. But. If they're winning, they're winning, and right now the Panthers are one zero. So yeah, undefeated. Do we keep doing what you're, exactly? Keep <laughs> doing what you're doing. But uh, so speaking of Cam Newton and his uh, time management skills, so didn't look too sharp on the throws in the first half. Obviously, in the second half, he looked like he did pretty well. Um, are you guys concerned about Week Two Cam Newton coming out there at least in the first bit of the game? I'm not a little bit. You go first because I don't really have a whole lot. I'm, I, yeah, you go first, Brad. Well, I'm not really quote unquote concerned. I just I know that these things take time, and what we're seeing is Cam is basically playing the preseason, and I think we're going to see another first half like we saw last week, where he's going to take a little bit of time to get get himself you know into the rhythm of the game. Uh, I think it'll take less time than it took last week. I don't think we'll see, you know, almost the entire first half. I think maybe the first quarter uh, he's going to look a little rough. But I do think that as the season goes on, we're going to see it less and less until, you know, it's going to take about three weeks for him to be fully there. Because, um, like, you know, he took he threw, what, th- um, four passes the whole preseason? So. Two. Actually. Two, yeah, uh, yeah. He threw two passes the entire preseason, so we're we're still seeing what we would be seeing from Cam in like the second preseason game. So you know, I'm not worried about it. I'm just I'm not expecting him to go out there and throw for you know 300 yards in the first half. Yeah, and and then the two throws he did make in the preseason were about as easy a throws as you could make. Like, yeah, underneath throws, not a whole lot of reading the coverage or anything. I think the McCaffrey was a check down, so he, but, you know, he wasn't challenging his arm or challenging what he was seeing to make the throws he made, um, which I think was the big thing. Do what I want to see is, um, I don't know how, if, if we're really that confident in his shoulder, I would like us to, like, let him run early in the game a time or two, because we've always talked about he seems to get in the game better when he, when he runs. And uh-huh. somebody said this, and I didn't go back and verify, but they said that, that, you know, that rollout that he had that he kind of got flipped up as he went out of bounds and he scared everybody by not getting up right away. Yeah. That, I love that. <laughs> after it's, yeah, afterwards it's, I love it in the moment and that three seconds is like, he better be faking it again. Um, that might've been like the turning point where he started kind of sharpening up where he, once he kind of got, he got hit a little bit, got out moving, kind of got involved in the game and it's easier for him to find his groove. I don't want us to completely get rid of the whole Cam Newton running aspect because I know we want to keep him healthy, but that's also part of what makes him so good. Yeah, we can't cut it out completely. Like you said, that's what makes him Cam. I mean, yeah, 
if we're going to put him back there in the pocket and never let him move, we should we should just trade him and get somebody like Mike Glennon, you know, somebody who doesn't know how to leave yeah. the pocket. Um, but, you know, I, I'm with you. I hope we do see more of it. Yeah, like the six carries, which I don't even – I was surprised he even had like six carries because I think they were like kneel downs or half of them for like five yards is not what I want to see from Cam going forward. He's one of like the best dual threat quarterbacks the NFL's ever had. We shouldn't shouldn't neuter him like that. But hey, if you're winning by 20 points, you know. Yeah, I just – I would – we were – yeah, I mean it, would, it wouldn't be something I would call like later in the game when we're up by 20, but get him involved early. <laughs> Get them, get the blood flowing a little bit. Yeah, but this week might not be the best week for that too, because if everything goes to plan, this game will probably be about the same difficulty level as a 49ers game. You know, I actually see it as I see it as being a little bit more of a competitive game, to be honest. Um, Lashawn McCoy, obviously one of the top running backs in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor is a bit underrated as far as his efficiency as a passer. And obviously he is a pretty fast quarterback when he runs. Yeah. Um, offensive weapons wise, the only one that I can really recognize and say, Oh, that guy's going to be, might be a problem is Charles clay. Um, but on defense, they got Kyle Williams, Marcel Darius, uh, you know, a couple good linebackers there. They have a decent front seven. And we know that Sean McDermott can make, a decent defense happen with decent pieces. He doesn't need a top 10, top five level player at every position. So yeah, I think, I think it's going to be closer than people realize. I think the bills are a much better team than the 49ers, but will that will kind of be offset by the home field. We're, we're going to be at home as opposed to playing on the West coast. And I think it'll be a, a sharper Cam Newton and offense in general to kind of, offset the fact that the Bills are a much better team than the 49ers. Though, McCoy and Taylor scare me just because they're so quick. Yeah. Either of them can break free at any time. Plus, we've got Mike Tolbert's revenge. You know, we're going to get a big (laughs) dose of that. Get your goggles, boys. I was so surprised how much they used him last week. Yeah, yeah, he's like, like their he's like RB two for them, he's isn't their, he? Legitimately, their second running back. Like he had ten carries and he only caught one pass, but he got targeted like three or four times. Like he's a focal point of their offense. I mean, part of that was him being ahead and playing the Jets, but like, is that really? That's why they cut. That's why they cut Jonathan Williams because John because yeah. Mike Tolbert's so good. You know. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Like we had to let him go so we can make room for McCaffrey. If we didn't let him go, you know, Mike Caffrey might not, we'd, be, we'd be fighting for touches back there. Yeah. And I legitimately, with our coaching staff, wouldn't be surprised if Tolbert was stealing snaps from McCaffrey if he was still here. Oh, totally. He, <laughs> he'd be the wildcat guy. Yeah. He's, he's for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I guess he's just so likable. Coaches seem to like him better than fans do. They're seeing something you we know, don't. Brian, you brought up a good point, and I know it would wouldn't work, but I would actually enjoy watching Mike Tolbert run the Wildcat. <laughs> That's what football is supposed to be. I mean, do you guys remember the Fat Cat, the Fat Cat with Brad Hoover as the uh, Wildcat back a few years back? Yeah, I, several I years back. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a long time ago. <laughs> that's just like straight... that was uh that was pre Jimmy Clausen, I think, uh, two thousand nine with uh, Matt Moore. 
Matt Moore taking yeah. over for Jake DeLome. They ran the Fat Cat with Brad Hoover. Yeah, those like were the days. Carry. That's like oh, man. 1940s football where there's not even a forward pass like possibility. You just yeah, you just put exactly. take, you just put line up one guy behind the ball and ten guys right in front of him, and you just push forward as far as you can. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> it worked. Man, that's just it sick. worked for those three yards. Yeah. <laughs> three. Hey, if you pick up three yards every play, you're gonna score touchdowns every drive. I mean, Mike Tolbert might fumble the ball though. That's the only issue there is that <laughs> he Mike Tolbert is like when you have a 95 pound dog and it thinks it's a lap dog. <laughs> like that's a very good description. He's like, <laughs> you know, it's good. Um, you like, we've seen him so many times, like Mike Tolbert gets the ball and he, he gets outside and he's got one-on-one with the DB and he tries to like sidestep him and trips over his own feet and falls. And it's like, Mike, you got this guy outweighed by 80 pounds. Why are you just run, run straight through him? Yeah, run over him. <laughs> well, in his early years, he could do that. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure he juked out either Brian Urlacher or Julius Peppers in his earlier years as a Panther, but that's not in him anymore. Like, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. He's juking, and it's like it's like a soft wave. Yeah, that's what ocean. I'm saying. Like, he doesn't like. Oh no, he... I have this. I have this really shallow tide wave coming at me. What am I gonna do? Oh no. <laughs> it just. I just remember a couple times last year because he was so ineffective his last couple years. He could get the ball on like a swing route, and he would go and like try to do like a spin move on a defensive back and just kind of fall over while barely being touched. And he'd have like two yards short of the first down. Come on, Mike. You're you're old. You're large. This is not how you need to be playing football. <laughs> oh man. And uh, Joe Webb. Joe Webb's a bill now too. You gonna steal our offensive secrets? <laughs> what do you guys think of that that theory that teams um, turn to former players to pick up on, to like? get secrets and tendencies from their opposition. I think they do it, but I don't think they really get as much information as some fans think. That's my thing too. Cause like the bullwear thing is a very obvious, like looks like a very obvious. Yeah. Attempt. There's no other reason that the 49ers signed Ben bullwear. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. He was there for like what, three days and then cut the day after the game. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And he was smart because he, he signed a lease on a <laughs> condo. Come on, Ben, you, you gotta be smarter than that. You got to be smart. You got to know why they brought you in. And I'm sure they they asked him one question. You know, they brought him in. They put him on the practice squad. They called him into the coach's office and they said, how do we stop Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. And that's pretty much all they said. And he probably looked at the coach and said, "Uh, I don't know. You can't. can't, You can't. So that actually brings up a good point. Not the whole Ben Boyer giving out secrets thing, but this is something I was considering earlier this week, but it seemed like Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart were more of the central parts of the playbook against the Niners. And I'm almost wondering if Carolina did that on purpose because of Cam Newton's limited throwing motions with his shoulder. Like it seemed like they were focusing on McCaffrey Stewart to alleviate the issues that would come up with, uh, Cam Newton's arms since he wasn't quite 100% yet. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, that would make sense. Like, I think that's part of it, yeah. Ease him into it, really focus on the running game and short passing game. And I think also part of it is, you know, I guess there's a two, it's, a, it's a two-sided thing. One of it is it's 
very easy, just like human nature. You have a new toy, you want to use it as much as you can right away. So we have Christian McCaffrey, and I'm sure Mike Schulz is just very excited to try to do all the things he can with Christian McCaffrey right out of the gate. And I think also that sets him up as, yeah, look, we're actually, we actually want to get this guy involved. You need to pay attention to him. He's a big part of this team. Well, on top of that, McCaffrey is like a limited quarterback's best friend because he's a short yardage mm-hmm. back and he's a uh, a running threat too. So throw the ball to him short, run the ball with him. You know, it just seemed like Carolina was making their playbook and their game plan around him more so than Cam Newton to me. Yeah, and I would agree with that. It makes a lot of sense because if Cam Newton's not 100%, you make it. Because like, it wasn't like McCaffrey was overly effective. Like The Niners were pretty well prepared for him. I mean, mm-hmm. he had like, what, like 80 all-around all yards, which is like, yeah. that's pretty good. But like to any of us people who have been following the Panthers for a while, we know McCaffrey is He's capable. capable of much better than that. Yeah. Yeah, the 49ers did a good job. He, he didn't break off any big plays, which was going to be the big thing to help those yardage totals and stuff, which the 49ers did, they devoted a lot of attention to him, which was also surprising for a rookie that's never gotten any live action, like that they were prepared for that. But I think Kyle Shanahan's going to be a good coach for them. Well, the whole decoy theory is, uh, it has a lot of ground to it because they mixed him in really fast, really early where it was like the Niners defense had to be like, okay, this guy's a big part of their game plan. We got to, do something to uh, contain yeah. him. So it makes sense. Like uh, that one touchdown with Stewart, where it was a screen pass to Stewart, they used McCaffrey as a decoy. The linebackers came off and essentially guarded him. And then suddenly he's blocking for a Jonathan Stewart touchdown. It's like, you know, he's got value other than just being the guy you throw the ball to. So, yeah. And I've been, I think I've been pretty, uh, on Mike Shula's case in the comments last week that are about the lacking of creativity in our offense. And that was one of the examples of a, a creative play design to get somebody open based on the play design and not just counting on them to win on, with their skill. And it worked out well. We need, I would like to see more of that. By the way, breaking news, Deshaun Watson just ran for a 49-yard touchdown to the end the half, basically. Wow. Pretty good stuff. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, back to the Panthers. Um. Yeah, that was I like using him as a decoy. Hopefully, that's a sign of things to come. That we having that matchup problem opens things up for other the rest of the team. I mean, we gave him a bunch of targets, so he's going to be a focal point. He had, he led the team in targets on Sunday, so that's going to be a big point of emphasis for McDermott. I'm assuming in the week in the week coming up. Yeah, I mean, McDermott's going to know the defense. Like, let's be honest here. I mean, like, Wilkes has, Wilkes is obviously a new defensive coordinator, but he's not doing things that are all that different with the defense. No, you know? it's not like a whole it's, new no, playbook. it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Throw he, a few weird blitzes in there, here and there, but McDermott's going to know how to uh, exploit this defense. So, the, uh, the play calling is going to be a big deal this week because, you know, the McDermott knows the strengths and defenses, the, the strengths and weaknesses of this defense. So the one thing that he's going to exploit it, the one thing that Wilkes does differently than McDermott, and I think it will play to our advantage with the Bills in particular, 
is that Wilkes is much seems much more willing to play up on the line, play man coverage, pressure the quarterback, and not play as much of it, but you know, play a more aggressive style. And I think the biggest weakness, as we always said, with the Panthers defense is like pass catching backs and tight ends, just kind of catching everything underneath the zones we tend to drop into. And that's basically where all of the Bills' receiving talent is in the passing game, is Charles Clay and LaShawn McCoy. Like, I think 19 of their 28 pass attempts went to backs and tight ends last week. And I think Wilkes, the way Wilkes calls the game on defense is better suited to stop that than when McDermott called it for us the last few years. Well, that's true. I mean, like, uh, Coleman, Keekley, Davis, you know, Thompson, they all had great plays against, like, checkdowns this week, mm-hmm. this past week. They were they were ready for him, and I think it's going to be a very similar game plan because Shanahan threw out the exact game plan that normally was a good was a good plan against yeah. the Panthers' defense because it was quick passing. You know, you don't allow, allow the pass rush to get there, at least theoretically. But the <laughs> Panthers are prepared for it, and uh, I think that uh, McDermott's going to try something similar with Taylor, and it probably won't work out so well as similar to the uh, Niners game. Yeah, and then the only thing, the only the main difference is, because Hyde is also very, very good back in his own right, and his pass catching doesn't get enough credit. Um, this the big difference is that Taylor is going to be able to elude pressure much better than Hoyer was. Right. So right. As, long, as long as we keep him. But we've always, I mean, I might, it seems like we were very disciplined when we rushed the passer compared to some other teams. Like, we, <clears throat> everybody stays in their lanes well. Um Everything kind of, especially because we had so much pressure up the middle, there's not going to be a lot of room. Hopefully, that, theoretically, there wouldn't be a lot of room for Taylor to, to run around and get away. Well, on top of that, this uh, this group of defensive linemen is like one of the deepest the Panthers have had in mm-hmm. years. Um, you know, Addison, obviously, Johnson. But Peppers has been playing well from the start. Uh, Wes Horton last week had his fourth his fourth strip sack out of the last five games, which I found I did to be... not know that. That is impressive. Yeah. You could have won some yeah, big so... money if you bet the uh, Wes Horton will get the first sack for the Panthers this season. Yeah, and uh, the linebackers all came in on good pass rush. Like, Thomas Davis obviously got a sack, and Thompson got a sack. But Thompson in general, I saw him. He was coming in free, and he was coming in with some wild pressure on those uh, on those blitzes. Like, the Panthers have a lot of good pieces for rushing the passer, and that's obviously, you know, a big deal for really any, any defense or really any going against any offense. Like if you can rush the passer with that kind of with that kind of frequency, they're not they're gonna struggle no matter who it is, whether it's Tom yeah. Brady or Brad Hoyer, you know. That's basically the scouting report for almost every quarterback is like, well if you pressure them and knock around a little bit, you get them off their game. Yeah. So yeah. But I I mean it's I feel I feel very good about the Bills game. Um, like I said, I just I, they they beat the Jets by nine. Like, they didn't run away against the Jets, who are probably going to be the one. They look like they'll be one of the worst teams in recent memory. So, I think. Yeah, they're they're going to go 1-15 if they're lucky. I mean, they might even go <laughs> o, They might even go over on the year. I mean, they're, they're awful. Another thing to keep in mind, and this obviously isn't, you know, this is half-joking, but the Bills probably don't, 
like Brandon Bean probably is wouldn't be too upset if they lost. Like I don't know if he really wants them to go two and zero to start the season because they every move they made this offseason seemed to be preparing themselves to clean house and be as open as possible to build into the future. Starting two and zero, hurting that they're already hurting their draft spot, the draft stock. If they were to go that route, yeah. Well, I mean, like Sammy Watkins was not successful to them. Yeah, to be honest, like. Jordan Matthews is a guy where it's like he was a second round pick for the Eagles, so they don't have to uh, deal with the whole first uh, fifth year option with him. Um, yeah, I understand they're not picking up Watkins' option because it's guaranteed for injury, and it's probably going to be like what twelve million dollars or something that'd be guaranteed if he inevitably got hurt. But the trading oh, him, more than that, or whatever, it's what top ten for his position average. I yeah. think so. Yeah. So yeah, like fifteen. I don't know. I don't know salary cap numbers off the top of my head. I like what the Bills have done. Mm-hmm. I, I do just too. don't know. They're just not going to be competitive this year, in my opinion. Yeah, like that's that's what I was saying. Yeah, it's but like, it gives it gives them the opportunity to move past Tyrod Taylor if they don't feel he's the right quarterback, which he kind of seems like he is right now. But at the same time, he's they yeah. haven't been super successful. But he's got he's been. He's been an efficient quarterback for them, despite the fact that his best receiver was like Robert Woods for the last two years. Yeah. So. Well, it was funny. Just I was like, you know, I'm looking at fantasy stuff, and the Panthers' ESPN projection had like, oh, there are big turnover opportunities this week against Tyrod Taylor. And it's like Tyrod Taylor does not turn the ball over. He seems yeah. like he's in that tier where he's like almost in that tier where he's too good to replace, but like not quite good enough to build a team around. Like he need to be he needs to be surrounded by the right kind of team to be successful. He's not like a he's not in that like Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton tier. He's kind of in that like Brian Tannehill, Sam Bradford tier. But he's Which, not a tall white guy who can kind of throw <laughs> the ball though. He can I know. He's 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 much smaller and less white. I don't know how he can succeed, but he's 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 definitely probably up there in terms of like the fear factor, at least from a fan's perspective. Just because I'm sure it's something that people always think when they face Cam Newton. It's just like you know you can do everything right on a given play in pass defense, and he still will run around your entire team and for seventy yards. Yeah, which is probably one of the most demoralizing things for defense. Exactly. Um, so I guess I'll go to the uh, similar to the Eric thing with uh, three up, three down. But so I'll start with Brad since he's been pretty quiet recently. Um, Good. Who's the guy that you're most that you're most uh, invested in watching for the next game? I got to go with my boy, Demir. Uh, <laughs> Demir, all right. Demir. I, you know, Ron said he wants to get Demir Bird and Curtis Samuel more snaps, so I want to see I want to see that happen. You know, don't be a liar, Ron. Um, yeah. Put him how, on the field. How many snaps did he get on Sunday? Do you know? Like two, I think. I saw him. I know. I, I remember seeing I him. I saw him on the field, but I don't know how many it was. Yeah, I didn't see Samuel at all. I'm sure he was out there a couple times, but I didn't notice him. 
No, nah, Samuel didn't get any snaps on offense. Wow, really? that's disappointing. Yep. <laughs> um, so, John, who who are you looking at? Um, I'm gonna go to an old guy. I would want us to get Greg Olson back involved. I'm really rooting for him to get that thousand yard season again. And catching two passes for 18 yards is not a good start for that. Um, no, it's not. I think the Bills. I don't know anything about. I don't know a whole lot about them defensively, but I don't think they have anything. They're anything special when it comes to stopping tight ends. And if there's, if our recent season McDermott have anything or any show anything, I think we could exploit them with the tight end because they definitely don't have Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis out there uh, patrol in the middle of the field. So I'd like more Greg. I'd like to see more looks for Greg. No, I mean it's definitely feasible. Um, the offense wasn't really in sync when it came to uh, the the downfield passing game, which yeah. is obviously where Olsen excels. Um, so I have a my player that I'm going to piggyback with that that with is uh, Kelvin Benjamin because the last time that Kelvin Benjamin faced the Bills. He scored two touchdowns, and the player that he beat was Ronald Darby. And Ronald Darby is no longer with the team. He also doesn't have an ankle anymore. And, yeah, and his leg's gone. (laughs) Um, So I think that Benjamin's going to have a really big game against the the Bills because I think Cam is going to start stretching the ball down the field a little bit more now that he's more comfortable and now he's got some his feet wet slightly. So... I think that Benjamin's going to end up having a big game, possibly like, I don't know about a, over 100 yards, but I could see him having two touchdowns next week. Yeah, so. just depending on kind of how the game flow works, because looking for him in the end zone. Um, I would like, I know we're limited by Cam's both health and or uh, just general, you know, feel for the game at this point. But I would definitely want to see our downfield passing game kind of wake up, because it was completely non-existent against the 49ers. Eh, it was non-existent until the second half. I'll put it that way. Well, yeah, there's, but, I yeah. guess, yeah, Cam threw a couple of darts. He threw a good one to Greg and, and Kelvin, but it, it was, it's not, it's not what we're used to seeing is more what I'm saying. Yeah. A very, a very light day on the passing. Far. Really the offense as a whole though, I mean, we averaged three yards of carry for the game. I really want to see that improve. For as I mean, we took took us thirty eight carries to get one hundred sixteen yards. That's not not great. I don't know the Niners. The Niners front seven is underrated. They have Armstead. They had Solomon Tom. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they have Armstead. They have Solomon Thomas. They had Navarro Bowman. You know, like they have a pretty solid group on the front seven. Yeah. So I basically. Think- Oh, go ahead. I was like, I think they got better, but I just, I just, when I think 49ers run defense, I think of that stretch where they gave, like, they gave up, Fozzie Whitaker was the starter for their stretch where they gave up 100 yards to, like, seven straight backs, including Fozzie Whitaker, who's never had more than, like, 50 yards in any other game other than that one. So I was kind of yeah. hoping to see us kind of, uh, you know, light it up a little bit on there. A little disappointing to see no, no big plays, just kind of chugging along until the end. When we finally that that last eight minute drill really pushed well they us over made edge. they made a concerted effort to make Carolina throw the ball mm-hmm. to win that to win that game too 
which made sense since, you know, no one really knew where Cam Newton's arm was at. So I can't say I blame them for that game plan and selling out to stop the run because I saw that several times. Like they, they weren't, they were, they were making a very, very, very big effort to stop the run yeah. with McCaffrey, Stewart, no matter who it was. So. One other thing on the run game, uh, I was saying one thing that we saw a lot of, you know, leading up to the preseason, and it kind of quieted after the preseason started. I felt like a lot of people thought we're going to use McCaffrey as a receiver as much, if not more, than as a running back, which I always thought was a little silly. Um, and we used him exactly how we thought we would. He's he's a running back. He gave 13 carries, very good running back workload. And and we also with with the bonus of him being a pass catcher instead of the other way around where he's a pass catcher with the bonus of being able to take handoffs. Yeah, I've never understood that either. I thought we I I thought we used him how he should be used for the most part. One other thing, just to go to like an around the league thing, so we. The Panthers, we had 38 rush attempts compared to 25 pass attempts. Very not 2017. <laughs> and I noticed a lot, like, around the league, that was a very, much more common than I'm used to seeing it. Like, the the Bills, I think, had more run. Yeah, the Bills had a heavy run, uh, run pass thing. The Ravens had over twice as many runs as passes. The the Rams had more runs and passes. Like you can go like it seemed like almost more teams than not in the NFL had more runs and passes. Is this the start of the shift back to the run game? I think so. Is like because you know people it's always you know things go in cycles, and it's like you know everybody's building up for speed to pat to counter all the passing game and stuff. And we've we've talked about is the NFL going to start shifting back the other way, where to counter everybody getting smaller and faster, teams start getting bigger and stronger to just run all over them. And it's a weird week, a lot lot more running the ball than I'm used to seeing from NFL teams. And we're of course right at the forefront of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally hope that that is what we're seeing because I like, you know, Smash Mouth style, you know, run it down their throat football, and I'm kind of hoping that we are <laughs> trending back in that direction. What about you, Brian? I'm sorry, I missed that. I was distracted. What was the question? <laughs> I said, like, around the league – it seemed like there was a heavy amount of teams that ran the ball significantly more than they threw the ball. And I was asking, like, do you guys think the NFL is actually starting to trend back that way, or is this just a, a blip where it's week one and teams don't know what they're doing yet? It's week one. Offenses are always ugly. I mean, like, I'm going to go back to 2015. You know, Carolina won by, like, three points against the Jaguars, and part of that had to do with the Josh Norman return for a touchdown. Like, Offenses still find, trying to find their way against defenses that are now throwing out the best they have to they have to to do in a regular season game. So I think that 
the whole like ru- the running game being the comeback and stuff is gonna is a little bit overblown just because the NFL offenses are still all about passing. There's a lot of offenses out there that have a lot of good receivers and a lot of good quarterbacks, and their emphasis is not as much on rushing the ball as much as it is just let's run the ball when we need to to spell the passing offense. So yeah, make, keep defenses honest, basically. It's more of a yeah, yeah, built around the passing game. Run to make sure they can't that you know make sure they know like oh you remember we can do this handoff thing still. So pay attention to that. You just got to negotiate the ball down the field. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I I'm all for uh, success and efficiency and stuff. It just as from a fan entertainment perspective, I'm a little. I guess I'm a little different than you, Brad. A little more new school. Um, I, I would, if I had a choice, I'd rather not run twice as much as pass. It gets a little. It gets a little tedious. It's my millennial. Well, see, another thing. It's another my thing. Take yeah, on football. yeah, it's your millennial laziness. <laughs> another thing. Um, when when teams run the ball twice as much as they throw, the the game goes faster because the clock is always running. Yeah, that happened. Uh, it seemed like that happened on Sunday in our game. Yeah, the game was like three hours, barely three hours. It it seemed like um, three and a half hours maybe, but it wasn't. You know, almost five hours, like a lot of NFL games tend to be. Yeah. And I, I like that because, you know, I have stuff to do. I, I don't want to be watching an NFL game for, you know, half of the day. Yeah, that is that is a pro. Um, definitely a benefit is getting, the games, getting through the games faster. I mean, it, does, it doesn't matter too much to me because on Sundays I'm not doing anything anyway. But for the night games and stuff, yeah, I wouldn't mind if our if our like Monday night game ends at like eleven thirty instead of one o'clock a.m. We can run the ball a lot on on the prime time games. It's my it's my compromise. But millennials don't compromise. What do you? Why are you compromising? <laughs> You're a millennial too. No, I'm not. Don't you dare say that. <laughs> You're you're like right on the border, aren't you? You're like right on the, the I am actually am right on the border. Between, I'm what is it? I'm what? between Gen X and Millennial. I have yeah. tendencies yeah. of both. Yeah, so like I'm gonna... <laughs> my my life is dependent on my cell phone and my internet access. Internet but at I... the same time I remember what it was like to actually go outside. You're like right in the middle of like you just you're like the forgotten generation where yes, the baby boomers yeah. complain about the millennials ruining everything and the millennials like millennials are ruining stores and everybody's lives and the baby boomers or millennials like baby boomers are ruining the housing market and our lives so everybody just kind of ruining each other's lives yeah. and then your generation my, my, my kinda, generation we're sitting here <laughs> like hey what about us yeah you know? we're not ruining anything we're just kind of here we hate both of you <laughs> um exactly but yeah, that's my millennial take on football. Uh, speed is good, but I like the entertainment factor of the uh, the pa- especially when we have Cam Newton as our quarterback. I think that's more my thing. Is I like I like it when we really, you know, focus make Cam the focal point because he's such a unique talent and he's so good. If we had, if we were like the Forty ers and Brian Hoyer leading the charge, I'd probably be like, yeah, let's run Carlos Hyde forty five times a game. Yeah. So let's let the good players do the do the stuff. 
Now, if I'm a neutral fan and I'm just watching it because I want to watch football, I don't care one way or the other. Yeah. I will, I will say that. Um, cause you know, I can just turn it off at any time, but, <laughs> um, especially with college football, I do like to watch like Washington state play somebody cause I don't think Mike Leach has ever run the ball like ever. I (laughs) I don't think, you know, it's fourth and inches and he's losing by two. He's not going to run it. He's going to throw it (laughs) 70 yards. They're, they're up, they're up by 30 points and into the game. And they just like, all right, we're going to run our ball control offense, uh, bubble screens. Yeah. It it, it doesn't matter. He, his quarterback throws it 80 times a game. Yeah. Those see, that's too far in that direction for me. Like, some college there's a very narrow there's a lot of college games that is fine unbearable and one of those are some of the ones where they throw the ball 75 times and the other ones are when they're the exact opposite like the georgia tech triple option and then what unc charlotte has done for a long time where you just run the ball every single play because your quarterback can't throw that is just that's like watching paint dry the only school in the entire country that is allowed to run the option and it be cool and everybody's okay with it is the army and Navy. That's it. <laughs> Nobody else is allowed to do it. Yes. Yeah, so like even the Tech. air force doesn't run the option, but good. Sorry. Yeah. Georgia you. tech, they need to get an offense. They can't be doing that crap. And you know, everybody else that runs it like Wofford and UNC, it's always the one like barely FCS like schools that do. Yeah, because it's hard. They can't find quarterback talent. They can't find quarterbacks. Yeah, so they just recruit extra running backs and just put one of them at quarterback. So I'm I'm at the Bills site right now to get back on the Panthers topic. So the Bills have a fantasy football preview. I want you guys to take. Uh, let me see if this is. You guys agree with this take? Um, Cam Newton, 15 of 42 for 112 yards, three interceptions. McCaffrey, 12 attempts for 31 yards, two fumbles lost. Benjamin, three catches, 26 years yards. Olsen, three catches for 32 yards. Seem likely? <laughs> um, the super fans on Saturday Night Live weren't that homerific. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty bad. The two fumbles <laughs> lost makes me think it's a, an exaggeration, but I don't know the guy. I so think I'm, so, yeah. I'm you never like know. He's being serious. Yeah, um, I, I don't think those are going to happen. I've been surprised, like looking through Bill's site and 49ers site, uh, their, their sites. I guess it's because both of them are in that rebuilding phase and their fans aren't really concerned with whether or not they win or lose. Um, nobody really cared. I'm like reading the 49ers site and nobody was like, oh, the Panthers, let it, we let them off the hook. We should have beat that team. They're not that good anyway. They're all like, yeah, the Panthers are pretty good. Um, it's whatever. Yeah. I'm disappointed in two things about that. Number one, the guy who claimed that Star Latulale wasn't any good, he didn't come back and eat crow. <laughs> uh, and, and number two, I predicted on the five questions with Niners Nation, I predicted that the Panthers would win uh, 27 to 10. Oh, man, look at you. And three or four comments in a row, one of them was, you know, 10 points, LOL. We scored more than 10 points a game with Jim Tom Sula as our coach. <laughs> you know, the reply was, well, he's entitled to his opinion, but yeah, LOL, he's not going to score. We're, we're going to score more than 10 points. You know, it, it's Kyle Shanahan's offense. And the next one, 10 points, LOL, more like 34 <laughs> to 3 49ers. Uh, I haven't heard a peep out of those That's guys. That's funny. And, you they... know, they were right, though. The 49ers didn't score 10 points. Um, <laughs> 
It was good. But yeah, it, it made me feel good. I was close to being right. That was a yeah. It was not a, not too far off. Um, I think they uh, had illusions of grandeur seeing Kyle Shanahan's offense last year, and then forgetting that uh, Brian Hoyer is not Matt Ryan, uh, Pierre Garcon is not uh, Julio Jones, and so on and so forth down the list. Yeah. So it happens to the best of us. Yeah. Um. So that was uh, the the one thing that I got the most amusement out of from the 49ers fans reading leading up to last week and especially after the game. If you thought Panther fans hated Byron Bell and then Mike Rimmers, you have no idea. The 49ers fans' feelings towards Zach or Zane Beatles are double that. <laughs> Every like the, you cannot read an article or a comment without somebody bashing Zane Beatles. They, That's odd. They do do not like him, one bit. He is he is their least favorite. But like if you pulled like the Forty ers fan base and said, "Who's your least favorite Forty Nine er?" or "Which Forty Nine er player would you most like to see get replaced?" I'm sure it's not a personal thing. Um, I'm sure ninety eight percent of the vote would be Zane Beatles, which is weird for a guard. Yeah, he's yeah. Like tackles more understandable. They're very they're much more at the forefront because it's much easier to see when they give up pressure. But uh, they're all Who about. Who cares about the guard? They do. They're big, big fans of <laughs> big fans of trashing their starting guard. Um, That's funny. They have a doom meter, and like the like how doomed are the 49ers, And the worst option was Zane Beatles doomed, which means super, <laughs> it's like super duper extra doomed. Like that's how much. That's funny. That's how much they despise Zane Beatles starting for them. So yeah, we maybe we weren't so bad off with Mike Rummers and Byron Bell. No, we were. <laughs> I guess we're just we just were much better uh, containing our resentment. I guess. I guess, who okay, debate embrace debate. Who was Byron Bell or at left tackle Mike Rims at right tackle? Who are you taking if you have to pick one? And who do you think if the I Panthers? Have to pick one? If you think the Panthers like fan base as a whole, like if we had to go back to either Mike Rims or Byron Bell, who do you think the Panthers fan base dislikes less? Mike Rims at right tackle. Yeah, I think so. He was actually pretty decent at right tackle. I mean, he just – he never stood a chance at left tackle, and that's not really his fault, you know. Yeah. I mean, we stuck him out there, and honestly, if the Super Bowl never would have happened, he wouldn't be getting nearly as much grief from Panthers fans as he does. Yeah, you're probably right. And, I mean, yeah, it's the Super Bowl. It's like, the you know, the biggest game of your career, and you looked like crap, but – in his defense, the field was a skating rink, and he was lined up against Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware. I mean, you know, yeah. a right tackle playing left tackle is going to lose that every time. He, um, yeah, I think he definitely drew some extra ire for the after the Super Bowl loss. So you know, put a micro, he put him under a microscope to where every mistake he made last season was was magnified. But yeah, I think he's he's a borderline starter quality tackle like you probably would like to upgrade on over him like we did but if you're stuck with him starting at right tackle you're not it's not the end of your season like having Byron Bell starting at left tackle was yes that that's pretty much how I feel about it too I I if I had to choose I would choose almost anything over Byron <laughs> Bell at left tackle hasn't he been good at guard for like Dallas or somebody lately or do they hate him? Yeah, too? yeah, they they kicked him into guard, and I mean, I think they still hate him because you know <laughs> everybody hates their offensive line. But yeah, 
he, he's actually pretty good as a guard. Which isn't surprising. I mean, that fits his skill set better, I think. Yeah. He's not athletic enough to play tackle, but he's big and strong. Let him push some people around on the inside where he's got help around him. I mean, he's certainly better than Nate Chandler. God, we've had some bad offensive linemen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're not not in such a bad shape now. Uh, We've done a good job on that front. We're like, we have depth. I mean, we're good with starters. I think every team in the NFL needs depth on the offensive line. Like, I, I think so too. Yeah, I would agree with that. Would, would if 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 you polled every single fan base and just said like yes or no, you have enough depth on the off, you feel good about the depth on your offensive line, every single one would say no, because that that drops off quickly. Man, this Bengals game is out of control. Um, we saw a dive over the pilot from the. 20-yard line to try to convert a fourth and two. Weird stuff. Breaking news for you, those of you listening on Friday, as we talk about the Bengals and Texans game. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you still there? I am here, yeah. You enjoying listening to us? Yeah. It's a good time. <laughs> Do you have any any say on the Mike Rimmers-Byron Bell debate? Hot in the street. It's, it's Mike it's, Rimmers by far. Yeah. At least he can play right tackle somewhat yeah um yeah i agree with all that i didn't know if you guys if, i don't know if there'd be any recency bias where we kind of forgotten how bad it was having byron bell out there especially like with no with, i don't think anybody's forgotten that especially with brad like you said when we had him book into with nate chandler oh, oh god. god those were dark days <laughs> is that is that like is that who yeah. our starting starting tackles were against the eagles that one game when Cam got sacked yes. like nine times by Connor Barwin. Yeah, I, I was legitimately worried about Cam <laughs> Newton's like health that day, and it it was Byron Bell and Nate Chandler, and oh my god, that was horrible <laughs> for for you Panthers fans who are listening on Friday morning, and, and those of you who are new to Panthers fandom, you know because of the fifteen and one season, which is fine. You know we're not going to judge anyone because if you're still here then you're fine. Because if you survived last year and, and you're still here, then you're a fan. doesn't matter yeah. when you start. Yeah. Um, but you've missed a lot of bad, bad. <laughs> yeah. Like we had Byron Bell and Nate Chandler were, were our tackles protecting Cam Newton. And it, it's as bad as it sounds. Like I, I think we could have probably found just two random dudes like, playing in the German NFL or whatever, and they would have been just as good. I think, to, to, to illustrate how bad they were, both of them I'm pretty sure are still in their 20s. One is not in the NFL anymore, and one doesn't play that position anymore. And they were our starting yeah. offensive tackles. They were our starting offensive tackles. For for what, like the whole year? Most it seems of it, like. I think, yeah. Like, it's not like they were only there because of emergency. It was like, that's who we rolled with. And Yeah, Nate Chandler's a nice guy. We don't really know. He's not really good in any position, but he's nice enough to keep around. We're going to try him at this right tackle thing. He's never done it before. He should be fine. Yeah, that's against, all right. Though. He He'll should be, be fine. fine against the best athletes in the world learning a new position. Yeah. I mean, props to him because he played – like every position on the field at, at some point. Like he was a, 
a tight end, a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, a center. I think he like kicked one time. I mean, <laughs> probably line up. Every, at the sa- I think we lined up at the safety play, a player too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nuts. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, to touch on tonight, Brian? Before we. No, I think we're good. So, what do you guys think? Scores? Got the Bills and Tom McDermott. Hey, yeah, oh, go ahead. What's, what's your score prediction? Do you want to give a score prediction? I'm going to go with uh, 24 to 13 Panthers. That's a solid score prediction, Brad. I think I've seen yours. Right, you've been posting it about all about on the internet. Yeah, I usually post mine two or three times. I, I think I said 28-20. Yeah, I think that's what I, I saw. It was 28-20 or 20-21. One or the other. Either way, it's it's same ballpark. Um, I don't. I think I don't. I still don't. I don't trust us to convert in the red zone as much as we should. I'll say like 27, 27-10. So basically all Panthers wins. Bills. Oh, Bills. Bills win. Yeah, oh, Bills win. Okay. <laughs> all right. No, no, yeah, Pan- Panthers win. Pan- I mean, don't we have a better, like, the expert picks than more experts pick the Panthers? Oh, experts in quotes. Pick the, the experts uh, Pan- on SB Nation all pick the Panthers. So. That was not the case last week, though, right? No, three no. of them picked the 49ers last three week. Three of them did? Out of how many? Like yeah. eight? But the Niners were also in week one. So That's true. For like the last six years or something like that. So. Oh, yeah. yeah I, mean, I, could, I couldn't be mad at them for picking the 49ers because of that. And they were at home. You know, the home team tends to get a little bit more rope. Yeah. yeah. When we do our pickums, I always have a hard time picking road teams unless it's like a huge gulf in talent. It's really hard to pick road teams to win. If they're anywhere. Yeah. Still, though, three people? I'm glad we snapped yeah. their streak, though. That's a big, big accomplishment that hasn't gotten enough credit yet. No, we snapped their six-game win streak. <laughs> About the best uh, accomplishment they have over the last six years, but yeah. Yeah, and we ruined it for them. Good for us. We ruined <laughs> their season. <laughs> we, ruined, over. we ruined the one good thing they had going for them. Well, um hit the hour mark here guys so uh any other final thoughts or closing thoughts here uh no yeah i think i'm all set i think i i talked a lot got everything out there yeah Yeah, you always do you always do um you should see me off the podcast it's even worse yeah it's true i've been there um All right, well, uh, join us next week for some recaps of the uh, Buffalo Bills game. Hopefully it's a a positive recap. But this is the 4th and Short podcast with uh, John and Brad, and we'll catch you guys later. See you next week. Later.
There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.